Well, this morning we're going to start a new series called What If the Church, right? And uh, I just kind of wanted to give you an idea of where we're going to do it. I don't know how many weeks it's going to be. It's going to be a few weeks here, maybe four or six. I don't know yet exactly how long. Not real long. But kind of dreaming about what if the church, you know, and not our dreams for the church, because, you know, we all have things. I don't know when you come here on a Sunday morning, you go, man, I wish the batteries were already changed, or I wish the screens were already up. I wish we had a building so we didn't have to set up chairs. I've heard some people say that today. I wish we had, I wish the church, I wish, but not what we would want for the church maybe, but dreaming about what God says he would like for the church, right? Um, the church being the people of God. And so today we're going to start this new series where we ask this question for a while. What if the church, and I would say this as we jump into the series, if there's something that you go, you know, why, why doesn't the church fill in the blank? Whatever it is, like what if the church, I would love to talk to you about that. What does God have on your heart? What have you seen in scripture that we're neglecting? It's so funny, I was talking to someone this week and they said, Many times, uh, churches become defined by what they're not instead of what they are, right? What, we're not like that. We're not doing this. We're not going to go over there. We're not going to go there, right? But never about what we're, what we're about, right? What if the church uh, was what Jesus uh, wanted to be about? And so, um, so it's kind of funny, but the way, way God um, brought the series about, but the, whenever I... It's going to start with next week. So next week, if, if you're, come back next week, because next week's where it's supposed to really start. But today we're going to talk about something foundational, which is huge, right? Probably the biggest thing in today's topic is, uh, what if the church really mattered? I mean, what if the church really mattered, right? One of the biggest things we hear in the world is that the church is irrelevant. Have you heard that before? Anybody heard that? Some people, the church is so irrelevant, no one's talking about it anymore, right? Uh, you, you know, there's a new pope that gets appointed uh, for the Catholic Church, and the world pays attention for a minute, and then it just blends back into life as usual, right? The people of God are just out there, and there's, it's irrelevant. The funny thing is, if you, if you spend a lot of time around churches, uh, what starts happening is there becomes people start to talk about, well, if the church is irrelevant, let's make it relevant. Let's make church relevant. Let's do everything we can to make it matter, make it relevant, right? And today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of, we're going to jump into scripture, but I'm going to kind of challenge that presumption about what God thinks of the importance of his church. I was talking to a friend of mine about this very thing. I mean, here's an honest truth. I will have people come in and sit in my office and tell me how unimportant church is. Do you think that's true? It happens. Dude, I love you. I love the people, but church doesn't matter. And they love me, and they mean it. They're okay with that. It's irrelevant to their lives. I, I was telling a friend of mine who came and told me that. I said, there's this book that some dude wrote called They Love Jesus But Not the Church. It's a bestseller. If you've heard of the book, anybody heard of that book? They love Jesus, but not the church. Anybody? Nobody has heard of this book? Wow, right on. That dude's irrelevant too, apparently. They love Jesus, they don't love that guy's book, <laughs> you know? Well, I'm surprised by that because, like, it's out there. People are reading it and they're like, oh, this is so awesome. This is what's wrong, right? They love Jesus, but not the church. I haven't read that book yet. I, I promised that dude I'd read it because he was going to read it. But the truth... Uh, is, and I want to get into it today, what if the church really mattered, really did? 
Um, and so we're going to walk through some scripture today and ask that question and see what the word says about it. And so funny, it's not what you think, maybe. It's not what I thought, right? So pray with me as, as we enter into scripture. We always do this. We believe God's word is inspired. We're going to ask him to inspire us to understand it today. Uh, Father, we've come here today into your house to sing praises to you, to worship you as we are, where we are. And sometimes, Lord, that's with broken voices. Sometimes, Lord, that's with words that we can't quite get out of us. Um, I, I pray today that you would help us set aside all that stuff and start to really look at what your vision for the church is, who you would have us to be, because Lord, after all, we say this about Jesus. He died to save us, and we are his, and he is ours. And so that means something to us, and today we want to understand from your word what more, uh, how we should better understand who we are and what we're called to do, who we're called to be, Father. Uh, you know that. I don't know that. I'm eager to hear your word teach us today. May you move mightily here today, your Holy Spirit teaching your people as you promised, as you promised you would do. And we pray this prayer in the faith-filled name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're going to start in the book of Hebrews today. This is an awesome passage. It's Hebrews 10. If you use one of our Bibles, it's going to be on page 843. I'm going to read through these verses, and we're just going to talk through it a little bit here. Um, Hebrews 10. Hebrews is a great book. I don't know if you spend a lot of time in it, man. It's awesome, um, an awesome book of the Bible. It's one of those books that I don't read enough that when I read it, I'm like, wow, I didn't know that was in there. I had no idea, right? 843, if you want to read along with us, starting in verse 18 of chapter 10. This is what the Word says. And where these have been forgiven, that's sin, by the way, sins. And where these sins have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to unswervingly the hope we profess because he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 25. And let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. It's the word of the Lord. This passage is, is one of those that you may have heard before. People usually remember that one bit at the end. Let us not cease or break the habit of meeting together, right? And many times, uh, actually uh, recently, uh, Brittany McCubbins came up to me during our, what was our sixth anniversary, or our eighth anniversary? And she said, that verse was on my heart. I want to share it today. And I said, man, I wish you had done that. That'd been awesome right? Let us not grow weary. Let us not um, stop. What does it say? Did you see it with me? 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This becomes kind of the root of this section of scripture. By the way, I'll remind you, interestingly enough, and if you want to read around that, there's all kind of awesome stuff, but uh, uh, two weeks ago, I talked to you about the faith given by God, and it's in Hebrews 11. So this encouragement, exhortation in church world, right, this, this, this um, pep talk comes right before 
the remembrance of the faith of those who come before us. If you've read the Bible much, you've read the story of someone's faith in Jesus. Do you know that's true? I mean, if you've read anything starting from the First Testament all the way to Revelations, you've heard someone tell you their faith story by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what is happening here in Hebrews as well. Let us not give up coming together. I want to point out a few things in verse 25. I just want you to see it. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because I want to walk backwards through it. But I want you to see something. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. One thing I realized myself, I think I told a few of you this, but gathering together with believers in Jesus is a habit that you have, right? And, and, and it, can be, it can be gained or it can be broken like any habit can. He says, let us not um, fail to gather together as some are in the habit of doing as we're exhorted to continue to trust Jesus together. That's interesting to me. I, I was, uh, I, I told a few of you back, I took a trip, and I couldn't believe how quickly, I, uh, my third week of the trip, I was back here, and I didn't want to get up and go to church anymore. That's crazy. And somebody there is thinking, that's your job. <laughs> you better get up. I, I get that. How quickly can you break a good habit? Anybody know? Let me ask you a different question. Um, how quickly can you start a good habit? That's tough, ain't it? You ever tried to lose weight in New Year's resolution? Yeah? They say what? It's like 7 to 14 days before you break that rule, you know, in New Year. It's over. It's tough. We teach a class here called Financial Peace University. 90 days, 90 days. You know why it's 90 days long? Because that's how long it takes to make a new habit, 90 days. If you do it 90 days, you'll do it, you'll do it for a year, you'll do it for five. You'll do it until you quit. How long does it take to break a habit? Huh? Yeah, just that quick, man. You, I mean, think about it, right? You could say, I'm going to eat healthy, and you start eating healthy, and you're feeling good. You can be exercising. I mean, I've done this, right? And everything's going great, and you're like, I'm getting in shape. I feel better. I, you tell your friends how awesome it is. You're like, man, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. You couldn't believe it. You can do it, too. You just got to decide to eat healthy, and then one, two days in a row of going, ah, I don't feel like getting up today. My buddy ain't going to the gym no more. I ain't going to the gym no more. There's a banana, but then there's cookies. I got a question for you. Why didn't Jesus make cookies healthy and bananas bad for you? <laughs> you know what I mean? He made everything. Couldn't he do that for us? Just, I mean, I swear there's a, there's a disproportion of the better you like it, the worse it is, you know? Lord, what are you doing? What's that about? How hard is it to start a new habit? Paul, or it's not really Paul. It's the author of Hebrews, I should say, but... The author of Hebrew writes to us and he says, don't make this new habit of not gathering together, right? Well, the funny thing is, when we talk about this verse often, maybe it's, you know, often it feels like it's a church saying, please, we need you to be there. Don't hear that today. The, the letter of Hebrews is written to the church to exhort them in their faith. It was written that, you know, people who say, I love Jesus, but not the church, they would read Hebrews and they go, yeah, man, this is good for me. I love it. It's the word for me. It's a promise to me. And they read that and they go, but I don't need, no, that's not for me. That's for the church. I don't need them. I wonder if that's true. I want you to look with me, if you will, in verses 21 
and uh, through 23. Well, let me, actually 25, look. Look at what it says. There's two purposes for us getting together. It says, to encourage one another. Uh, let's see. Oh, no, no, we're going to back up. Right, right, right. Yeah, 20, 20, 23 through 24. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another along to love and good work, good deeds. This becomes the purpose of our gathering together to encourage one another. It actually means to cast a vision or, or to hold some accountability to, uh, what, what is the word? It's like to, to help us see how we could do better. In what? In love. In what? In good work. The, the word work is ergon. It means work, physical work, right? To do something good. And the author of Hebrews says, there's something about being together as a church that helps you love better and do work better. Do better work. Now, you might say, dude, I come to church every Sunday and nobody talks to me about how to do my job, Right? But is your work good? Maybe not just good for your company. Maybe not just making widgets. But is it good for the people around you? Are you a blessing? I recently um, was looking at, at talking to a friend and, and looking about, and I, I asked this question, would you be doing better than you are now if you're hanging out at church? Right? Not guilt. Would it be better for you? Would you be more productive? Would you be more loving? Would you think more before you spoke? Would you risk yourself for someone else? Because you saw, and this isn't, you don't come to church to see the pastor. You come to church to see other believers to encourage one another in love and good deeds. That's the purpose of our gathering together. What if the church really matters to you? What if you not coming on a regular basis, and I don't mean here, I mean in the church of Jesus, but what if you breaking the habit of getting together means your life isn't as good? Well, that's different, isn't it? Or, or this, what if God, in his infinite wisdom, and by the way, his wisdom is infinite, what if God's plan for you to understand your purpose or your direction in life is through his people? You see, there's something in us, and especially in our culture, where we believe me and God got it. But what if you're ignoring the very thing that God is giving you and you're out in the woods all alone getting it wrong? You know, I, I, I was talking to someone and they were talking about how, you know, it's not going well out in the woods alone. People ask them, how's it going? Great. I, I know I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. How's your life? It's a mess. It's a wreck. It's not going well out here. I'll come back and hang out. I can't. It's embarrassing. Right? What if we're ignoring the very gift of God to us and we're saying, eh, you know, 
It's not really relevant for me, this thing called church. What if it matters to you? Verses 21 through 23, read with me. This is great stuff. And because we have a great priest over the house of God, and because we have a great priest over the house of God. I mean, this is how he's building up to this thing of saying, don't break the habit of going to church because we have this great high priest in Jesus Christ. He's over the entire house, all of his people, all of his kids. And because we have such a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to him with a sincere heart in full assurance of our faith Listen to the word, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, right? I just told you about someone who said, I love Jesus, I'm out in the woods, but it's messed up, but I can't come back. Who needs their hearts sprinkled for a guilty conscience? Who needs some of that? Or, or, or what comes next? Having our bodies washed in pure water. Like, who wants a bath? Who wants to wash the world off of them? What if this is the place that happens? What if the church stops being like the rest of the world and starts being a refuge for saints? Not a place where we can get together and go, whisper, 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 gossip, gossip, gossip. Maybe it's a place where we can get together and go, man, Jesus died for you. Don't believe the lie. Your work has purpose. God's placed you where you are. Oh, sprinkling our hearts with the blood of Christ and bathing in the abundance of his grace. What if that's the church? Do you need that? I find that I need that. I need that. Here's a better question. What if the church matters to Jesus what if it matters to Jesus, right? This thing that we go, eh, I go snooze. I mean, right? I go snooze. I don't feel like getting up today. What if it matters? I want to read you a passage. I'm going to put it up on the screen. So you don't have to turn there. Stay in, stay in Hebrews. This is, this is from Ephesians 5, and this is a great passage because we talk about this. Every couple that's getting married, we talk about this, and some people don't come to church because of this verse. They go, I ain't going to church because you teach that verse and that verse in the Bible. I ain't going to church, right? But check it out. This is what it says. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ, that's Jesus, loved the church. I'll remind you that the greatest verse is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And the whosoever is the church. Do, are you with me? I mean, whosoever believes in him has eternal life. That's the church. And that's the very people and body of believers that we go, eh. You came to faith in Jesus. You know him as your savior and you go, eh, about his people. I go, eh about his people. God so loved the world. Check it out. Husbands, love your wives, verse 25, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus loves the church so much he died on a cross because he loves us. He cleansed her by the washing with water through the word. 
Here's the reason. Listen to the word. He wants to present her to himself as a radiant church. That's a church full of light, not darkness. He wants to present her to himself as someone without stain, sprinkling us, washing us clean. He wants to present her to himself without wrinkle or blemish. How many of you went through puberty? Yeah? Next time you feel like being mean to a teenager, I want you to remember puberty. I want you to remember the mirror. I want you to remember all those blemishes. Oh, no one's going to marry me. <laughs> right? You know, my big curse was I couldn't grow facially hair for years because it, my blemishes had, I had scars, but it's all better now. <laughs> oh, Jesus answers prayer. <laughs> right? Jesus says, I'm going to have a bride who's so radiant and so pure and so beautiful that she's flawless. And the people of God go, nah, I got Jesus. I don't think I need the church. The last thing it says in Ephesians he will present her to himself as holy. The people of God, listen, will, by the grace of God, be holy. That's ridiculous. I don't care who you are, that's ridiculous. People who feel this probably the most, you know, profoundly or, or pastors, because we know, I mean, you know, but we know too how sin-filled we are. Lord, is there coming a day where I will be blameless? I will be sinless? I will be holy? Because that's what it means. It doesn't mean we're trying to achieve that. It means he's giving us that through his bride. That's how the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. What if the church matters to Jesus? The last little bit here. We're back in Hebrews. I want to back up, and we're going we're gonna to close with this, right? But I want you to hear what he says leading up. In verse 15, which we have not read yet, this is what the word says. The Holy Spirit testifies to us about these truths. First, he says, this is a promise I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my law in their heart and I will write it on their minds. He's going to give us the gift of understanding, of wisdom. And then in 17, he adds, and their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. His pledge to us as his church. I will not remember their sin. After, and, and where these have been forgiven, there's no longer any sacrifice for sin, we read in 19. Therefore, I mean, because we've been forgiven in Jesus, because he's not remembering our sin, because he's given us understanding and wisdom, knowledge to change batteries, you know what I mean? The truth of what's happening in our world, he is with us, not against us. For that reason, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. 
by a new and living way that's open for us through this curtain. Huh, listen. That's open for us through this curtain that is his body. It's a gift to us. Over the next few weeks, as we dream about what if the church, what if the church, I don't want us to think about what, what would the church do for me, but what if it would look like what Jesus says it would look like? Because that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Today, we're going to share communion. And I put it, we put it right here today, right amongst you, because it's his gift to us. I'll remind you that communion started before the church started, right? Communion started when Jesus had those few dudes who were hanging out with him, and he was trying to teach them about life, and they kept getting it wrong. They kept screwing it up. They, they didn't understand what was happening. Jesus is heading to the cross to give his life for a ransom for many, and at the table, they're arguing over who's going to betray him and who's the greatest. And he says, come and eat. These are the words he said to us. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is the cup of suffering that I will drink for you. And then he lets us come and receive. I mean, what a gift we have in Jesus. What an amazing priest over the household of God. I don't, I hope you're encouraged and not, it's for you, it's for me. It's the best thing we could have. And he gives it to us willingly and openly and honestly. His church, it's a blessed thing. I'm gonna um, ask you to pray with me and we're gonna have communion together. We're gonna pass the elements from the table right in the middle. Make sure you, you receive one and receive it. And then we're going to spend some time in worship and singing, okay? But if, I want you to know today that if you, don't, if you don't know Jesus in this way, like, and I don't mean like, you know, because you could have been to the church your whole life. Well, probably not unless you're really little. <laughs> but you could have been in the church your whole life. And you're like, that's great. I know, I know what I'm supposed to believe, but I don't know if I believe that stuff. Today you can. You can take him at his word. He is faithful. He will deliver. He will present us to himself, listen to me, as holy and blameless and spotless as his bride. Oh, may he be praised. Pray with me if you will. Uh, Father God, today as we've come here to enter into the holy sanctuary that is your body, into the space that we are invited in, and, and we know we're not worthy. We feel that guilt in our hearts. We feel that, Lord, before you. But today we claim your promise. You are sprinkling us with your blood, that you're washing us with your pure water, and we know you're delivering your people. Father, for those here today who maybe don't know you, I pray you would move in a way that they could hear you, not through my voice, but through their heart, that they would know you, that they're included they're part of the promise. They're part of the family. And that they would, would gather together with other believers and encourage one another. And Father, for the rest of us, oh, forgive us for the way we treat your bride as if it's a burden, as if she's unworthy of our time. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of life. We thank you so much for Jesus on the cross. 
And today, we thank you for his church, a blessing to each of us. May you be honored as we share your word and share your meal today. In Jesus' name, amen.